as a continuation of last week's episode, part two of a discussion with David Shelton, we dive deep into his training, his views on powerlifting, and where he sees the industry going in the future. This is Chalk My Back. David actually like brought his like childhood dream into existence. We all have that dream when you're young. Like, I want to do this. It's like he actually took it from being in that to doing it. It was kind of neat that he was able to uh, bring his lifelong dream to fruition. Do you, exactly. Do you have any other dreams, David? Do you want to win nationals? Man, win nationals? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a that'd be fun to do. Uh, reality is a very I don't know. Well, it's a how how what where do you place among um, your weight class right now? If I get super lucky, I have an absolute field day and just you know everything goes exactly how I want. I'd probably be lucky to be even like sixth place, maybe. Oh no, sixth. You, you'd be surprised how like those eighty threes how inconsistent they are. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, if I have a field day, then then I'm just a little bit more consistent than the rest. So I might, you know, it, it can fluctuate a lot because of how close everybody is. But I, to me, there are five consistent people that I can just think off off the top of my head that can be consistently, even if they're inconsistent, like if they make a, a few mistakes, they're still better than I am, even if I do really good. So so we know, we know like Russ, okay, he doesn't bomb out, uh, yeah. Sean. You yep. have Angelo. Yep. Um, who would be the other two? Uh, Delaney Wallace has a 795 total and Jamar Royster. Oh, yeah, Jamar and his huge Jamar, squad. Jamar, Jamar has a big squat, but you, you bench more than him. You deadlift, you deadlift also more than him. Like Yeah, but the thing have. is, it depends on what he shows up with because, you know, he, he's cutting from, I think, 395 or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so it's just he walks around like 105 kilos. He's cutting to 83s. Still pretty loose cannon. And I think when you get lighter, your ability to bench and uh, deadlift goes down quite a bit leverage wise. So I'm more curious, actually. Like, I'm not, I'm actually more so banking on the fact that he'll get the squat that he wants um, or the squat that he's expecting, you know, probably around 700 squat. I'm, I'm actually going to be interested to see how he benches and deadlifts because like you're when you're when you're 195 and like super filled up things change a lot whenever you're down to like say you refeed and you get back to like 187 things still change like a lot like uh positionally especially especially for squats because he's only getting it a couple hours maybe even less he's gonna get like an hour and a half to refeed and warm up are right. you, you going to be able to put on like the 12 pounds you lost I know. Right. I mean, I have a hard time regaining six pounds or seven pounds. Um, so it ha- he has to be super aggressive and like not feel super uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and I'm like I said, I've seen him pull through on the squats, even when he's not quite at his best. Like obviously at the meet, when you're cutting all that amount, he's I, he's still going to be hitting 680 plus like regardless on squat. I'm just the thing is, that's what he's good at. So it's like, I kind of expect him to be in that, you know, direction there. But as far as benching and deadlifting, like he's already pretty shaky. And as far as after you cut all that weight, it's like you take a shaky thing and you make it shakier and then you combine it in an environment that you're not used to. And the, the whole thing could go anywhere. So it's like, I'm more so thinking about his bench and his deadlift. What's his best squat in a meet? Like, does he uh, usually he's still like, squat at like six fifty? Really? So from like yeah. from training to a meet, does he lose like thirty pounds or something? Like, does he consistently have like a big drop off from training to a meet? Yes. Yeah. So you can you can expect expect him to kind of have the same the trend. You know, yeah, the same trend. Will, and he's only gotten heavier, so the trend can't get that much better. Right. Um, but and that's why whenever I look at where his squat has gone i'm like okay we can subtract some because he's he's done so well in squat we can subtract some but i'm more so like thinking about his bench and his deadlift because his his those two technique wise a lot more shaky and it's like there's only so much that you can brute force something with like commands at a national meet so so, um, how, so how, how has your training has been going the past 
like six months or so like leading up to this meet like do you feel confident um and how are you going to perform uh i mean the last six months uh me and sean have put together some pretty good you know thought processes about uh how my stuff can progress and uh it's it's turned around pretty good um i think I think about over a little over six months ago, we didn't really quite have a good picture for uh, progressing squats uh, or, I mean, really deadlifts were still going, but we really figured out a lot of stuff on deadlifts. Um, and I, it, this is on the programming side of things that would be um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things that go in on my end, making sure that I'm making the right decisions on certain days, but um, hashtag of, deadlifts. Yeah. And it's, it's dumb that it had to be that because it's like, I don't want to do those, but like, it's, it's something that like when we started doing it, I noticed that I was like, it was pretty, the response was insane, pretty quick. Like it didn't really, yeah. Like it didn't, I realized that I was able to just continue to add weight on the bar and it didn't tax me as much. And, And usually when I'm adding weight and it's not taxing me, that's, that's, yeah, progress. <laughs> so it just like kind of started becoming a realization, uh, that, that, that was the direction to go. Um, the caveat to obviously high rep deadlifts is it is so far away from your one rep max that if, if you're not very good at executing, uh, singles or things like that, then, um, there's a big cost on that. Um, the other thing is, is that a lot of people are, Uh, especially sumo deadlift they can typically rep out a lot more you know uh at the lower weights than they can uh at higher weights and it's just kind of taking advantage of that principle to increase the work capacity um uh in that way so the downside of it is is i've seen a ton of people um who are doing high rep deadlifts and then the transference is just like negligible they'll, they'll hit something massive and then it, it doesn't carry over. And yeah. that was one of the biggest things is like the high rep deadlifts did get the person stronger, but they weren't able to keep it up at heavier weights. So it was almost like their ability their or, you know, uh, what, whatever you want to call it, their, their readiness, their, their, their ability to perform at, the heavier weights didn't really transfer over, even if they were getting stronger at say 10 rep sets. So, so it was, it was like a different type of movement that's like at that point, like you're almost. getting, getting better at higher rep deadlifts. You're not getting at your one rep, one rep max deadlifts. You just, right. yeah, you're just getting at better at this one skill and it's so, because yep. it's so far away. But, but what the thing is, is that I realized is that it, the high rep deadlifts helped me to, actually get stronger so even if i wasn't say say you're not good at uh sets like singles or something like that right and that's like a readiness thing it's more so like the 10 rep sets i recover from so much better so i can do more work in that rep range than say having to do threes or fours even if it was more weight like I essentially can get stronger faster just because I can recover from that rep range better than I can viably recover from say a heavy set of three. Cause those, those lower rep things, they kill me a lot more than ironically eights or tens on deadlift. So I was able to recover, which then allowed me to get stronger, you know, in that sense. That's kind of interesting. Why do you think you recover better from those, uh, from like those higher rep sets? I mean, obviously my theory is that the lower rep sets are for one, they're going to be a lot heavier and a lot more technically challenging. And then two, it's your, the amount of effort level, the intensity of the session ramps up so high that it's, it's hard to recover from that or, and, or to even build upon that because you know, if the premise is to add weight to the bar, say you add weight to sets of four, you're going to start pretty high and you're going to end up really, really high. And as far as like tax or load on the body, you're ending up with a pretty large amount of intensity of sessions pretty quickly. Whereas even sets are eight or, of eight or 10, it's more about pacing it yeah. and then like getting the work done. And then, and then there's less tax because there's less form breakdown as well. 
So the whole thing kind of like works together if, if you know how to do it. Um, but to me, like I said, I think it's more because I can hold my form better. I can hold things better. I can recover from it. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking from a recovery standpoint, yeah. like I'm able to recover from it because it's less taxing on my, on my body. Like I think about intensity of the session and if the, if the intensity of the session is too high, then I then I actually can't add weight to the bar like as many times. Now everyone kind of follows the data driven strength guys, and they mm-hmm. talk a lot about the like the speed on the bar, like how how close to failure you are, and like the more you start basically grinding reps, like the higher like you get exponentially exponentially more fatigued from like those slower reps. Do you feel like that you're with your like your higher rep deadlifts, like your speed stays? like stays high and you don't really start grinding until you kind of do those triples or fours or like the lower rep stuff. Right. And well, a lot of those triples, they're, they're so heavy that they become a grind pretty quickly. And, and so, that, that what drives like fatigue, your fatigue high, you would say. Right. It's funny. Cause like, because they, they kind of advocate the opposite, like, of well, not the opposite. Like they, they, they kind of talk about like doing like lower rep sets with higher, um, like you do, you do more sets with lower reps. Basically, mm-hmm. you kind of keep your speed high, and you so you so you're not getting as fatigued. So you can recover, recover a little bit better. Um, but for you, which is kind of, uh, which is good that you can um, kind of keep your speed and like not not slow down, not 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 grind reps with those uh, with those tens or sevens or whatever they are. Yeah. And, and it's not like I have four sets of 10. It's like, I only do two sets or maybe three sets a a session. So it's like, uh, holding like, say for example, five sets on deadlifts, even if they were triples, like I think the amount of sets, that many sets would kill me more than actually only having to prioritize two sets and then doing those two sets, like, like as good as I could. Right. Uh, productivity wise. So that is the other thing is amount of sets have been crucial to uh, my progression on my deadlift. There is no question about that. Less sets, more reps, and then uh, throwing in a single to make sure that I don't forget how to actually do that. Yeah, it seems like um, one low, like a single and like the deviation between the rep scheme is so high and it's and mm-hmm. it works pretty well. But I mean, a lot of people talk about higher, higher rep deadlifts and they everyone wants to do them because they see Sean and at, like everyone kind of advocating higher rep deadlifts. But you mm-hmm. have to know like some stuff like you kind of know, like if you're going to start grinding your sets of yeah, 10. You have to know what to do with them. Yeah, like you can't just do them and expect to, to get better. Like there's a lot yeah. of stuff to that goes into it. Yeah, I, I always uh, try to advocate for people to gauge, you know, like how hard each session is like as a whole. Um, like like I said, the intensity of the session. So it, and then you could even base that. Say you have percentage back downs or something like that. Like if your top set is say from an RPE five to a six, the whole session shouldn't be more difficult than kind of like that top set. Things should be hard for a moment and then they kind of fizzle out. And then the overall intensity of the session remains kind of like five out of 10 or six out of 10 or something like that. Like the RP almost dictates how hard we want it to be, not just the weight on the bar, you know? Um, because the weight on the bar is going to change based on how you recover from things. Whereas the intensity of the session can get, is it going to remain the same? Like literally if I want a six to a seven, one week, it could be 500 pounds one week. It could be 450 pounds another week, but the intensity of the session remains the same. So as long as I'm getting that amount of intensity out of that session, it doesn't really matter actually how much weight there is. Like there's some, it's simply going to be just, how much weight I was able to do at that intensity at that time. Like I, I've been trying my very hardest to not even think about a number almost whenever I'm going in there. I I think about maybe last week, okay, I did this number and it kind of gives me a range for where I'm at. And and typically, you know, I'm not going to add a whole lot to the bar anyway. So I kind of already know where it's going to be, but I just, like I said, I urge people to literally just look at the overall difficulty of their session and if they're noticing that they have too many difficult sessions, they could very, very easily be doing, just simply doing too much. Yeah. Like, for example, I had two, I had maybe three or four sets in the past with Sean on deadlifts, 
And by that fourth set, I felt like I was just doing tri- like just trash volume. Like I felt like there wasn't, it, it's like I was doing extra for no, for no reason. And it wasn't going anywhere. And I was just exhausted. There was no point almost. And it's like my productivity level disappears. Yeah. So if my productivity level disappears, why is that set even there? You know, what's the idea? So, so um, it starts, starts hurting you more than anything. Yep. And it cuts, it cuts so bad. Like it's wild to think like that literally the solution to me deadlifting more over time is four deadlift sets a week. Yeah. Like I've literally only been doing two sets, two days out of the week. And it's been amazing. Like whenever chance used to talk about like sub max training, like oh, yeah. a lot of the same, like it's kind of similar concepts right now, but they're worded differently. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it seems like there is a lot of, like there's a push towards kind of keep the difficulty of your sessions kind of low get like one or two hard sets and kind of keep the rest sub maximal kind of exactly keep, yeah it's keep like stay moving fast like you don't you don't it's harder it's easier to build uh on like rpe six sets than it is to kind of do rpe eights all the time and trying to build on those like it's a lot easier like if you do like an rpe five set next week you can add a little bit more to it and maybe yeah. it will stay the same difficulty too and then it's it's all about building that almost that like that sub max base pretty much because because the thing is the bar bar speed stays high the uh tax on your back the tax on you know everything stays low and then it's just the way i've been telling people is like you just essentially i tell them you want to sneak up on your body <laughs> you want to essentially slowly sneak up on it so that it can and then it adapts real slowly but then you look at it over like a four-week period and you're like okay i added slowly but i have a pretty big base now even in just four weeks and then now, four weeks in, I've built up all this work. I'm not tired at all because I wasn't killing myself. Mm-hmm. And now I have like a massive base to like continue to build on. It's like you're sneaking up on it almost. You're not trying to like, you know, wake it up and like just shake it and like, you know, like force it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not trying to force like f- four sets at RPE nine. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like it, it definitely catches up to you. Do, do you feel like that, like the way you're approaching deadlifts right now is helping you squat as well? Uh, so it definitely has because I've noticed a direct correlation to how well I squat with how many sets of deadlifts I've had. So whenever I have, and, and vice versa, actually. So if I have more deadlift sets, it cuts into my stronger squat day. And then if I have, say, less sets just before my heavy deadlift day, then my heavy deadlift day goes much better. So the prioritization on the sets and the amount of difficulty just before like the timing is just extremely crucial because if I even add, like I've noticed I've, if I add even like one extra set, like I, everything just feels slow the next day on deadlifts or like, you know, things like that. So they definitely work a proportionate relationship with each other. And the, the fine line is simply doing a lot while still not doing enough to tax the next uh, mm-hmm. priority day. So it's, it's kind of like time, the priority and, days and that would kind of come from like average RP, right? Right. And then all I have to do is just chill the heck out on the other days. Yeah. Cause, oh, wow. and cause, and cause most of the time what people yeah. do is they try and egg themselves on, on the chiller days. And then it just cuts into the whole rest of the picture. And I'm like, no, no, no. The easiest thing to do is literally, you could just even take a arbitrary percentage of a load and say, okay, I'm going to do that on, on this day. I'm going to just keep that load exactly the same. Or maybe add five pounds to it, or maybe add ten to fifteen pounds to it every three to four, you know, over a course of three to four weeks. Like barely, kind of like belt squat, kind of like just add a little bit each time, but just kind of like you have that volume in the background just to like keep your capacity going. And then you push the priority days, and then it's like that's whenever that whole thing actually starts to work. Is whenever those lower days, there's a lot less. Like you're still doing something, but there's a lot, lot less. Yeah, you, you can't outrun your rate of progress. Like if your rate of progress is five pounds a week, you can't just jump 10, 15 and kind of expect to progress that much faster. Oh, of course. Just, yeah, you just have to kind of accept how fast yeah. you can progress. Yeah, I, I, I tell my athletes all the time that you're going to go as fast as you're going to go. All we have to do is just not get in our own way as far as like doing too much. If you try too much, then you end up just going backwards later. Like there's not really, there's a basic rate of progress that you can expect to get and then on top of that if you if say if you see someone that's making say they make like a massive amount of progress i guarantee you they just 
maximize the natural rate of progress. And then they just got more efficient at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you add efficiency to like technical efficiency to a good natural rate of progress. And that's whenever this whole like, okay, he blew up or okay, he did this. It's like, no, he got much better at pushing something in a straight line or no, he got a lot better at just not losing his shoulders off the chest or blah, 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 blah. He just got better at bracing. He got better at, he got better at doing those things. So he simply recovered better. And then the natural rate of progress or, you know, other things were able to move as well. Like they, I think that they go together. And and usually whenever you see somebody that's made a lot of progress in a, in a smaller rate of time, it, a lot of it is technical efficiency working its way into that natural rate of progression because the technical efficiency ends up literally lowering your fatigue per session. Right. So you can do more like it. It's, it makes a lot of sense. The more efficient you are, the more work you can do. And then over time, you're, it's going to look like you got a lot stronger whenever it's like, no, your body gets strong about, you know, at, the, at, a, at a certain rate. And the only way that you can convince it to go any faster is just by simply not hurting it more, yeah. which would be more efficient. It sounds like a lot of fatigue management and kind of realizing yep. how much fatigue like one lift will produce. Like someone with super short arms doing high rep deadlifts, it's probably not going to be your best, best option, best move. Right. So super short arms with high rep deadlifts. See, the thing is, the only way that that would actually work is if, say, their squat volume was a lot less or say there's there would there would be space for that. But but typically what happens is, is like like say you run like even just the same rep sets across the whole board, like you pretend like you give every single person a three by five or something. You're going to notice one person with the shorter arms on the deadlift, they'll start crapping out by the third set because they can only handle like two quality sets of five. And then you're like, wait a minute. Okay. This person either needs less sets or a lot less reps with a few more sets. Like they're, that person's going to benefit there because they're, they just start to get non-productive after this set. Like, whereas like people literally will lean towards their own actual inclinations like say if they have short arms, right? Like you said, what they'll do is you'll start noticing that they can just bench like, like forever. Like they can just do, they can handle like five sets a day, like two, two pretty moderately difficult sets and then still somehow do back downs and like still like, how are they still going? You know? Uh, whereas on deadlift, they'll do two sets of five and be complaining by the end of it. Like I literally have an athlete that I was talking to yesterday. That's literally that exact situation. Um, but he'll handle squats like a champion. Like, I don't know how, and it's like, okay, well we're, we have to, we can push the squat a little bit more. We got to chill on the deadlift and then let's kill the bench. Let's just do as much bench as we can. Cause you're just eating it. So like, you're just eating the volume. We, we can handle that. Like, go ahead, like overshoot one set on bench. No big deal. Overshoot one deadlift. GG, you know, you're, you're looking at more of like, a total volume like perspective, but just maximizing like an athlete's like recoverability, like from training session to session. Absolutely correct. So, but see, this integrates into total volume because, because for example, say I have an athlete that tells me that on his weekday or like, so say he has two squat days and say, it's like, he'll literally, the athlete will literally tell you that he's not getting tired on his weekday. Like, he'll just be like, dude, I'm not as, I'm not as weak as I should be on this day. Like, I still feel strong today. And what will happen is, is you'll have two days that are like similar. Like he'll do 360 for five on one day. And then he'll still somehow do, I don't know, 370 for four on the other day. And it's like, those are pretty similar in strength. What that means is that he's recovering almost too good. You almost, you have to actually tax one day harder in order to make one of the days go down. Cause that's whenever you notice that you're actually making some sort of push at something where, and that's where the volume comes in because then that's when you can add volume is whenever the person, the person will literally ask you for volume. Like their, their numbers will literally stay kind of like on a flat line. If you look at their, if you look at their progression, the number will stay on a flat line. You could take a four week pro- pro- projection and the person's estimator one room max stays the same the whole time. Typically, when it's like that and there's not a whole lot of volume, 
they need a little bit more volume. Like that's just, it just works that way. And then same thing. If you notice the volume is really high, the person starts crapping out towards the end. Okay, simple, too much volume. And whenever I say too much or too little, I'm talking about one to two sets a week. You'd be very surprised what one extra set can do to, to cascade this whole thing into motion. Um, like as, as far as volume goes. So volume does play a big role into this. It's, it's just the athlete will literally subtly, if you're paying attention, they will literally show you that they're not getting enough. Like you, you can tell. Yeah. Because um, you have to designate priority days. The, the whole premise of this whole thing is that there are days where you have to feel good. And then there are days where if you feel bad, that's normal. You, you have to feel bad. Yeah. If you don't feel bad, something's wrong or you're about to blow up, like make massive gains. Yeah. So like, it's like, you know, you have to force that to happen. That that's, that's how progression. Um, I mean, a good rate of progression can happen. The only, so. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. The only person I see that has like that, those rules, I mean, they, they definitely they apply within the week, but like the, as far as a pro- progression from week to week, like, you know, you know, Eric, right? Mm. His like his progression would be like the same. Like his numbers would be like similar from week one to four. Like everything mm. is exactly the same. Maximum rep maxes are the same. But then on week five, like everything everything just shoots up. Mm. But that's that's kind of like a rare like type of response. Like usually you have people kind of respond kind of linearly. Like every like every week is progressing a little bit. Like five ten pounds a week. Um, mm-hmm with like with the same the same like if if the volume prescription is um isn't like you're not too, you're not fatigue them too much and you're not um giving them too little it's just like you're giving them a good amount of volume you see mm-hmm. them kind of progress at a reliable um rate where with, mm-hmm. with someone like it's kind of weird because like only with him like it's just like everything is just seems like stagnant for four weeks then week five is just like plus 15 kilos on everything which is yeah it's kind of odd it's just whenever I hear cases like that, there's always something that changes or there's always some sort of something in the background or there's always there's always something that causes that push. And it's like it like I said, like obviously, you know, you run four weeks and it's it's it seems similar and like seems like nothing's happening. And then but then adaptation occurs and then and then everything has, you know, starts to bump, you know, mm-hmm. um, and in my head, the way I see that actually is you give him a certain amount of volume at the beginning and it starts to tax him. And then so the load sort of stays the same. But then by week four, the same load is easier than it was uh, in week one. Then week one, of course, the load is easier by week four. And then he's like, OK, time to now I'm now I feel strong enough to like jump and then you see kind of like that jump where you just feel really strong on that at that time period. Um, other factors that I think play in, maybe his technique gets a little bit better. Maybe something, maybe something clicks. Um, there's always a lot of like these other random variables that cause loads to change. Like, um, like as dumb as it sounds, like I've had athletes literally be like, yo, this guy did this much weight. So I had to do this much weight. And I'm like, dude, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like literally, why would you chase that person's number from that day? Like for that reason. And it's like, (laughs) so I'm just saying like, you'd be surprised, like what can cause some, some of these jumps in strength. And a lot of it is less to do with like the actual trends in the programming and more to do with that guy got angry one day and took it out at the gym and, you know, added something or or, I'm just saying like, Mm -hmm. I've seen it where, where people, like their adaptation is it's so different because of just an outside factor. Um, and like, ha- I feel like sometimes half my job is just helping people to control their outside factors. Right. Like I, I have a lifter that picked me up during quarantine. He like rented out plates and he was doing three sixty five for reps in his garage with our plates. And like he literally, I found out, that he was only getting three to four hours of sleep because he had some sort of weird uh, condition or something, anxiety or some sort of, he had something that was keeping him from sleeping. And I was like, I was like, dude, like we got to figure that out. 
Like, I don't actually care too much about our trends on the programming. I care more about that. We started like, I started just picking on him, like, you know, about that. The dude started sleeping and like, literally the dude pulled six in like half, half a year. Yeah. Like great. You remember, you know, great. I know great. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, how the, I was like, how, where did all this energy come from? And it wasn't even like, there was no programming changes. Like it was, it was all literally just me adjusting to how tired he was. And then every single time we would look at the program, he's just getting less tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not recovering outside the gym, like there's no way you can perform. If you're not getting any sleep, yeah. if you're not yeah, getting your nutrition, it, it's just yeah. wild seeing like, seeing all these variables that can occur. And, um, you look at a lot of the trends and you have, say you have like the perfect athlete, like, uh, like that's why I think Eric is, is a pretty good example. He keeps a lot of his stuff like, uh, the way it should be. Like he knows he, he comes in so meticulously at like five ten, and it's like, cause I show up like five minutes before him mm-hmm. and I always see him like walk in, like I'm like barely walking in as he's walking in. Like he comes in at the same time, does the same thing, puts the same headphones on, like, like just meticulously, like, like robotically almost going about it, which is like kind of how you want to do it. Yeah. He, um, he's definitely more consistent and yes. like he gets his sleep and like, he's like one of the few lifters that I coach that actually tracks his nutrition and he actually exactly. counts his macros. So you see his stuff, like everything outside the gym is usually in check. Un- like, unless he has like a, like a final in, in school, like that's, that's like yeah. you can't really do anything about that. Um, but yeah. yeah, usually a lot of like everything he can control, he can, he has controlled, which is kind of um, so you kind of expect them to kind of progress slowly. But his 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 response type is usually like he would add like ten pounds a week, but like the RPE goes up like point five or point like or or a whole RPE. So like mm. the, so the numbers aren't really they're very similar from week to week. But then on week five, like and and it's and it's. Uh, it's been reliable every week five it's just just takes a jump yeah and it's, it's like i think it's like if you if you ever follow like the emerging strategies well do you think that maybe he understands the trend also so he's kind of running with that same premises i would and then he would just kind of chill on those first four weeks or just add a little bit on those first four weeks and then intentionally try and blow up on week five i, I mean if i if 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 the bar if the speed on the bar is different like it's the same or different like if if he moves like 400 pounds and it moves like super slow then like the the week after like you can't really fake strength if that makes sense no of course yeah so like the speed on the bar actually is the same from week four to week five but there is 25 pounds heavier on week five and it's yeah what, what i'm saying is he's picking up on the trend that he's gonna do four and then hit five literally i think to me, of course, like as far as Eric's stuff goes, is, is he'll go up, 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 and up, and then he'll spike, and then he'll start back low again. But then whenever he starts back low, he's still starting back moderately high. Higher, and that's, yeah, higher than before, I would say. Higher, right, which yeah. is which is continuing that trend, which mm-hmm. means that eventually he won't be able to start as high, and then that thing will fizzle out a little bit as far as like those first few weeks like he'll start a little bit lower and then you might get like adding and you you might get like an add but he's still uh the rp still stays kind of like the same mm-hmm. um but i mean it just depends because like for example like i've seen people run something like that where they'll start back higher than before and they'll do it like three to four times but then after that fourth time it's like they have to start back way lower and then th- when they start back way lower that's whenever that that more predictable um you know think that average projection like actually starts to happen um so that just means yeah i mean in my head it, he's just starting a little bit high but if, if he's handling it and then he's predictably still hitting more in week five by all means you know of course stick to that trend and just that, that if that's the thing that's working obviously we got to go with that so yeah definitely i mean it seems like it's working so um I don't see like a reason to. Yeah, you just gotta yeah. roll with it. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, don't change anything if it's still working. Yeah, and and this is a good example of scoping in on each athlete and seeing kind of like how they respond to uh, different stimuluses and and really you can you can almost like I said you can almost give everyone the same program right off the bat and they'll all respond 
like 80% of them will respond similarly. 20% of them will have a different response. And then the, the key is simply to take the people with the discrepancies, make adjustments to their discrepancies over time and uh, to continue adaptation. Um, yeah. Cause I've seen it. It's like, it's the same thing. You can, you can give the same thing to the same people. And by 12 weeks in those two people's programs look entirely different because of how they responded. So it's just like, however many blocks you run or however many things you run, you, you just end up making realizations about how they move. And then mm-hmm. it and adapts to them eventually over time, yeah. just based off of like changes that they give you and recommendations or just and, like how you've observed. Yeah. I mean, at bar speed, like I said, like just how quickly they're pacing their stuff, like noticing how quickly they get tired, timing their sessions, just paying attention to this stuff is, is, absolutely crucial and uh being a good coach that's i mean that's what i've noticed uh, over time is like you just simply have to just pay attention like there's not there's not a whole lot of like um like the difference between super good coach super not good coach you you have to make sure that the person knows how to communicate effectively and then just Mm -hmm. make sure that they're telling you like of course like for me whenever i pick up a client i tell them like you have to tell me when this happens you have to tell me when this happens Make sure to ask me all the things that are coming into your mind. Make sure that make sure that all the things that we need to be tracking are something that's in the back of your head, like always. And make sure that they're always paying attention to that kind of stuff. Um, because then with those as a prerequisite, then you can then it leads to better questions and then it, it leads to them being a better athlete. Um, so I always set that premise really early on uh, in, in order to do that. And most, most coaches, like, of course it depends how advanced you are, but, um, I actually think that the more advanced you get, the more simple your stuff gets because you already kind of know what's driving your training. And it's, it's not, it's not really quite rocket science anymore. You, you realize that certain things work and certain things don't, and certain things give you a certain amount of progress. And, um, a lot of the people that are more on their journey like say they're not beginners anymore but they're like intermediates those people are the hard ones because there's so many different ways to kind of like i don't know cut the onion there's so many Mm -hmm. ways to kind of go about it that it's like yeah this could work yeah this could work yeah this also could work whereas for the advanced for the advanced person yeah i can't do threes yeah i can't do fours yeah i can't (laughs) you know it's like yeah i know i can't do that I know, you know I can't. Like you know, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to go to the guessing game. You've already done enough because, like, we've done looking at all your, the guessing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, looking at your previous training history, you can you know what you've already have tried and what haven't tried. So right, and the problem and and where this gets hard is whenever you become advanced and then you have something that was working before that starts to not work. That's one of the harder things to figure out. Um, I've had conversations with Chance about this had conversations with a lot of people about this and whenever you get more advanced and then you have this recipe that was working really well that starts not working you start trying to poke at things that you know you don't you're not sure if it's going to be a mistake or not like you know you'll try flats on squat or you'll try you'll start doing all sorts of things and it, it, it it's almost like you're in a frantic attempt to make something work that perpetually is slowing down on you over time like, like he's like, yeah. getting in your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's weird because it's a, it's a hard balance because you start to ask yourself these things and then, you know, and that, that's why I'm very fortunate and glad that I have a coach that can literally just be like, we're going to try this this time. I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm almost like take it literally, if I get something out of it, Sean, thank you. If I don't, then I deserve it because I wasn't going to benefit from it anyway. And I learned my lesson. Yeah. Like that's just, it's not going to change. Him, so. Yeah, it's like, no, I have to. I don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, if I don't trust the person that I'm with, I'm, you, you're just losing. Like, that you can't, you can't, you almost can't think that way because, because then you're not going to put in the effort that you're supposed to put in. And then you're not going to actually, you, you, nothing's going to get done. You're just going to be hating it the whole time, too. So, dropping keys it, right now. Yeah. It, like, literally, if, if Sean's like, okay, we're going to squat three times a week. I'm like, okay, well, last time I squatted three times a week, this didn't go well. 
or last time I squatted low bar squatted three times a week, like this happened. And it's like, okay, well, we'll adjust it to lower rep sets. I bet you've never done low rep sets with squat, but three times a week. And I was like, no, I haven't. Okay, totally. Let's totally do that. And it's like, okay, cool. Recipe done. We're going to do that. Yeah. You know? Let's do it. And stick then, to the game, keep the game, see how it goes. Cool. And then, like you said, like once you hone in on um, what actually works, you just keep, you just stick with that. Yeah. And you got to bang. Yeah. You got to bang that out until it's done. And then that's, and then that would be what it is. And then you have to find something else and, or you have to see what deviations you can make to still sneak some progress by. Cause we're, we're, we're micro scaling now when you're advanced, you're, you're literally looking at adding, you're not looking at adding a lot, like in a, in a, in a small period of time, you're looking at adding a lot over like one or two years. So it's like, you have to micro scale it and then say, how can I sneak up on this in order to create an adaptation while not hurting myself all at the same time? Uh, so for you, whenever you kind of run into like doing something that works, then it, it stops working. Um, like how do you kind of focus on the things that actually matter? Well, I noticed first where, what caused it to stop working. And I, I first have to, I start there and I say where, like what caused like, okay, we hit the line here and then it's not increasing, you know, am I getting too tired too fast? Am I not recovering from it? Am I not doing enough? Am I thinking that I'm doing enough, but I'm actually not doing enough? You know, things like that. Because I have to ask myself those questions, like literally, or else the whole thing, like I don't have a chance. If I'm like, okay, this volume should be good. I can't, I can't even tell myself that because I'm like, if this volume should be good, then, then I, then it should be working. You know, yeah, I have to start from the very premise of what made it stop working, you know? And then I look at all my other things in the background. Okay, I've been the same body weight for the last year. Well, darn. Dang it, David. You're totally right. You haven't been eating jack. You know, things like that. Or, you know, any sort of type of thing where it's like, I'm not doing as good as I could in a certain area. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, things like that. Or, man, I don't lock out my deadlifts. Or, man, I'm definitely just pulling with my back by the last three sets of my deadlift. I don't know. Like, there's so many things that I'm, like, going through my head whenever I look at assessing a problem on my end. Not even the programming end. It's just my end that I try to improve on first. Like, I just start there. And then, you know, obviously, I have a talk with Sean. I say, okay, we, we need to figure something out. We need to make a master plan. Or, you know, we need to, you know... Yeah. make this recipe tell me what to do okay i need i need this session to be hard i need this session not to be hard and then you know we we negotiate about you know where things should prioritize okay cool i should be recovered by then let's try that you know so do do you think that's like one big um kind of skill like if you want to be like top 10 at nationals or like an elite like elite quotes um powerlifter like you kind of have to have that skill of analyzing your your training and not getting distracted by oh yeah my this training didn't go well this this block didn't go well because a factor that doesn't really matter because you see that a lot with 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 lifters that they kind of focus on one like one variable that actually doesn't that it doesn't really matter it's like yeah i think i got i ate steak instead of eating chicken usually that's why my training isn't going well um do you think that's like that's a big factor like if you want to get, if you want to keep progressing, you kind of have to kind of hone in your skill, like at, at analyzing your training. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, you know, whenever it comes to easier things like that, like, um, I mean, I always walk in with rice. Like I started getting tired that I getting tired of the fact that I would literally have to run to the bathroom after an hour of being at the gym and just like flush everything out because it just, I just had to literally comb out a lot of those inefficiencies just to make sure that 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 wasn't the issue um and just that just started ended up being just a background type thing um but as far as you're talking about being top 10 in nationals i can 100 percent vouch for the fact that if you look at the top 10 in each weight class almost half of them are not as smart and or as diligent as they should be and they are getting off with being gifted or getting off with being just simply better than the average individual 
Um, now, as far as being an average individual and being able to make it into those things, yes, you're absolutely correct. You have to look beyond a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm just saying it how it is. Like I've no, literally, right. you, I've literally right. seen people that make top 10, even top three. And you're like, dude, that dude has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. That, that dude ate Popeye's before he, before he went to spot. <laughs> and it was even worse. What's wrong with Popeye's real quick? Dude, I don't, I don't even, mean to cut you off, David, but that's uh, a sponsor. I just need to be careful. We're not what, what was bridges. it? Popeye's 299 cent go from 74 kg to 93 kg in two months what was it popeye's 93 cents i'm taking notes i'm taking notes. <laughs> but, buy yeah. ten thousand followers and get popeyes okay oh, man gotcha. it's all about the popeyes you're definitely correct as far as like people who kind of get by just by being like gifted like or like they're just, you're just like as far as top 10 goes a thousand percent i can actually make that argument um because you know i was talking to abe before we before we started recording i was like dude Every time I go to nationals, I'm a half head taller than everybody. That is what it is. There is, and it's only gotten worse since yeah. 2016. Like the, like if anything, like it's just gotten way worse. Um, but as far as the knowledge goes, as far as all that goes, that's gotten a lot better too. But at nationals, when you're that top level, like a lot of times there's still a lot of just physical, there's too much physicality in the sport to deny. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just is what it is. Like you can't do a whole lot about that. Um, and, but, you know, but, well, but yeah, that, a lot that's of what makes you different though. Cause like for yeah. you, you're not really, you're not like five to like 300 pounds of muscle. Like you're, you have to work harder or differently than those other lifters. Like you can, you can get by, by doing like a one by one at eight and like three by right. or whatever. And like then it just the bare minimum. Yeah. You yeah. can, you can get by by that. It's just, it's just one of those things again, like. Like as far as uh, when when at that level that it, if that's what it takes, you know, like then you, you just have to either get smart or you just start losing. Like I that's that's what I realized. Like I think even back 2016, 2017, I started noticing that people were literally just better than me. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. That, that was it. You're, you're supposed to win. Like that's. That's what I realized. I was like, if you don't beat me, then I had to figure something out. <laughs> I need to figure something out or you're going to beat me. Like, there's no way. And and so in that pursuit, I ended up having to learn a lot about all this fatigue management, about a lot about, you know, what I'm supposed to do, um, you know, and in order. And then on top of that, I had to realize that there was always going to be an intangible there was always going to be, I could put everything together and then it still not be the way I wanted it to be. Like, it's just not going to work like that. Like I, you just have to accept that. And then you also have to accept that it's going to take a really long time. Like I, I don't know how else to put that. Like I, I meet so many 19, 20 year olds that are like, yo, I'm going to bench 315 by this. And I'm like, yeah, you will. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm going to bench 350 by this though. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, okay. I that doesn't match with that. That doesn't, that doesn't line yeah. up with that. Doesn't work that you're, way, buddy. You're gonna have to get about 50 times smarter and triple your like workout lifetime in order to do that. Like it, it just exponentializes over time. Like so, there's, yeah, yeah. So I think it probably wasn't like the way you're like you like the way you're built. Like the way things are like like we said. Like you're not probably like you're not the the most gifted or genetically gifted or built the best for for powerlifting uh, but that that kind of makes you kind of have to learn all this stuff and it makes you a better coach like you can see you can look at people like um like most of the like better coaches actually have some kind of kind of like a hardship in their training or like they had an injury before or something that kind of forced them to get better like you see yeah. you look at someone like like Marcellus, like Marcellus isn't like he's he's pretty jacked and whatnot, but he he he's not he can't get into positions that other people can get into. So it kind of kind of forces him to kind of know more and get better at his training, and like that kind of transfers into being a better coach. It seems right. It seems like right. that's a trend. Like yeah, it, yeah, it definitely is the trend. Um, you know, and I've and we've all noticed actually that um, back. In about 2017, 2018, there was a surge of people that essentially 
you know, you, you notice that they never made it past say like a 350 Wilkes, but they were good coaches at the time. Like they were known to be just high level coaches. And it's, and it's like, you see kind of like almost like now, I think personally that if you don't have a little bit more strength along with it, that it's hard to take some people to the next level because of some sometimes the experience of how things go through as an athlete carries over to the next athlete. Yeah, so it helps to be a little bit, you know, more of more of an athlete, like it, basically doing it while you're also helping mm-hmm. is, is like a big factor. Um, it definitely played a lot into me uh, deciding to get coached by Sean because it seemed like he was just doing all the things that I was doing. Just, he was just way better at it. And it, it was like one of those things where I was like, I, I need somebody that's going to seek things kind of how I'm trying to see them. If that makes any sense. Like we, we both squat super wide. We both trying to arch as big as possible. We both, we're both trying to technique our way and, and finesse our way into, you know, larger numbers. And, and he, he pays attention to all these things and, and communicates with me to a certain extent that that works really well for me. And, um, I don't know. I had, to, I had to grow to figure that out. And, um, like I've definitely noticed there's a clear distinction. Like if the person has been to the higher levels, it does definitely help, uh, for, for higher level athletes to want to be around other higher level athletes, um, growth wise, right. Thought, thought process wise. And especially if you want to keep up with, like with everything that's coming up, like all the new trends, like all the, if you want to keep up with powerlifting, you have to to do it. Yeah. You have to do all this. Yeah, exactly. You have to do it a thousand percent. And and that's that's what I realized. I I had to continue to push myself and and to continue to try and learn and, and do as much as I can on my end as a coach to help the people that I'm helping. And then um, a lot of the stuff that stems from my previous experiences definitely definitely absolutely have helped in those things because there's just many instances where you'll see somebody who's coached by somebody that has never squatted 500 pounds and they're coaching somebody that squats five. And you're like, that person that squats five definitely isn't asking him how it feels or what it, what he thinks about or what he does or like kind of like, it's, it's almost like they understand because they've done it before type of thing mm-hmm. or they've, or same thing. Like say, say you're going to nationals for the first time and the person that, that is coaching you hasn't been to nationals and they're just kind of like blinded in the lights and just kind of like, I don't know. As an half of me as an athlete is just like allowing and seeing like okay, this person has been here before. This person knows where this room is. This person knows where everything is. He he's done this so many times that you know, he's got me, you know? And uh I think as an athlete there's nothing I mean nothing feels better than knowing that the person is kind of you're you knowing that you're in good hands is my point. Um And that's why, like, you know, this discussion has come up before where it's like, do you believe that somebody needs to be a high level athlete in order to be a high level coach? The answer is obviously no, but it's the amount of exposure around high level athletes or more advanced athletes that the person has. So like, say you take a Joey Flex, he has, he deals with a lot of advanced level athletes. And it's like, okay, we don't really know how advanced they actually are. We know that they're really, really gifted, but we're not sure about how advanced they are. Whereas if you look at people who deal like say PR's performance or some of these people who deal with more advanced level athletes, they're advanced because they take more effort to figure out how they grow or they're more injury prone or they're more, they're harder to deal with. Those are the type of people that you typically want to gravitate towards when gravitating towards a coach's kind of like what kind of experience, like what, how many athletes that they deal with, like what type of athletes they deal with and if they're succeeding with them, of course. Um, so like coaching repertoire is, is that's what that comes down to. Like if, if, when looking for a coach, it's like you put yourself in a 19 or 20 year old shoes, you want that 19 or 20 year old, I guarantee you is going to want someone who's like 22 or 23 
and has like 100 to 200 Wilkes more than that guy. Guarantee you. Like that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a guy that's done exactly what they've done. They see themselves in the other person. They're like, hey, I'm also 5'9". Cool. You understand me. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, maybe, maybe not. But like, it's about building that connection, uh, you know. So, I mean, that's obviously my take on it, obviously. Like, I know some people that are just like, no, dude, I'm totally good with somebody that's like 250 Wilkes coaching me. That, that person totally understands how to arch. And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> Are you sure about that? But <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I tangent an awful lot pretty bad there, but um, no, no, you're it good. Was on, it was on my mind for sure. Coming, I think this, this is going to be this is definitely going to be a, a part one and part two situation. <laughs> Dead because, like, I think that that tangent is like it's worthy of its own episode. Oh dang. Dude, I have so much. It's it's weird. I have like so much random like stuff. That's what I was telling you. I was like, I have thoughts about a lot of things. Like, we've been doing this for so long. It's going. Sounds like you want to come back. Yeah, let's let's come back next week. I don't know. I'm down. I'm down to. I'm down to talk about whatever. I I like the questions. I like the discussions. I I enjoy every bit of this. This this is cool. Um, This is what we need. All right. Yeah, this is well. I don't know. I, mean, I thought we were doing good, but I guess uh, <laughs> that there's something else that we need. Okay, if you're, but I, you're gonna I get feel like I just tested. went too far. Like, like Anas asked me one question. I think I just went on for like nah, ten minutes. Anas, Anas that's what makes it good. You. Like, oh, that's, okay. that's what makes a podcast really good. Like, if, yeah. if you actually dive into some nuance, you don't want to talk about basic coaching. So I was like, yeah, well, you have to communicate with your with your uh, listener. Like that, that's, that's, that, that's boring. Like no one, yeah, that's like, obvious. Stuff. Yeah, that's that's obvious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, definitely glad I could delve into that more nuanced stuff. I mean, I I don't really know who's going to be listening, but I really hope that they see kind of what I'm talking about because um, I don't know. I just I have this weird thing in my mind that there are people out there that are they they're just they're just they go to the gym. They're like, OK, I'm, I know for a fact I'm like average genetics, like I'm not this i'm not that i didn't run a 4-2 or a 4-3 in high school i wasn't track star i wasn't a college football player like i don't really know exactly how i want to go about this but i want to be really good at this and it's like i hope that that person is listening to what i'm saying because that person is going to be the the person the next person to possibly learn a whole ton about this and and carry on with the whole thing so they're going to benefit yeah, the most. They're going to yes. take what you what you've learned and use it for their own uh, good. Yes, and and I'm not saying that gifted individuals can't understand either. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people that don't think that they're gifted, but then find out that they're a lot better at something than they thought just because they gave it a chance. Right. So there's those people. Oh, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it definitely makes it like it, it kind of forces you to get better if you're if you have to work harder to get better at this, like it, it yeah. definitely forces you to um, get better at other stuff where like, if you're someone who can like squat like once a week, like whatever, do three sets a week. And like you add like a hundred pounds to your squat. Like, yeah, like this guy doesn't have to like, doesn't have to learn that much. Sure. It, yeah. It, it doesn't. But imagine to. delving into the powerlifting scene in 2014 and you see a bunch of conjugate people running around and you're like, okay, they're saying get fat, and that's the only way I can get strong. <laughs> Imagine walking in as a skinny person and being like, hey, that like the only way I can do this is that, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, like it's like imagine being that guy. So so then there's less stress on that guy to want to have to get strong. Whereas now I'm literally saying that any person from any average genetics or any average thing can do good with this. They have to actually just try. Yeah, and then and then there's tools here. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of things you have to engage in and then you can actually be good. So then it's almost like nobody has an excuse to at least get kind of good. You right. know, once this podcast is out, no one has an excuse. Yeah, for well sure. said. No, <laughs> no one's going to have an excuse once uh, this comes out. They have excuses right now as we're talking, but man. as it's released, they run out of excuses. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was well said. I, I, I agree with that. Totally. Ar- Arby, yeah. Arby, Arby's roast beef sandwiches. For the gains, for Popeyes two ninety nine apparently. Yep, Popeyes two ninety nine. And buy your followers. You heard it here first. These are the followers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Abe, Abe, bleep out his name. We can't. We can't be doxing him. 
Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to get into the legal battle. No, no, I just made up a name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah, that was just a hypothetical. It was an arbitrary name. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, alias. Yeah. Alias. My bad. Uh, 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 R. I. P. Allen. There you go. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, now. Uh, so, David, thanks again so much for being on the podcast. A huge benefit to the listeners and to us just for you being able to kind of allow us to pick your brain and you know, good good to catch up. Um, just friends amongst friends so is there anything else you want to say as kind of a closing thought to the listeners no uh, i mean uh thanks for having me I'm pretty i'm like i said i enjoy talking about this kind of stuff like uh people pick my brain all the time i i i this is actually enjoyable for me if you guys want me on again feel free maybe i end up just doing this every week because i can just be on the side and we can we can we can interview some other people and i can ask even more questions i don't know i'm photoshopping you in our little thing right now (laughs) man only one way to know is to let us know as listeners if you would like to hear more about david in the future go to our instagram dm us that's instagram at chalk my back while you're there give us a follow listen to us every week wherever you listen to podcasts david thanks again so much yes sir thanks for having me have a great week Is that good enough? Perfect. Nice. All right, part three, we get to see David's PP. Oh.